Hey lady, I am so freaking jazzed that you're here. My name is Emily and I am a clinical social worker deeply passionate about what's going on in between our ears. I am here to help build up your toolbox against self-doubt, social comparison, and nasty self-talk to help keep you kind to your mind. You know, we all have something going on in that noggin of ours that isn't always kind. So let's put in the legwork and flex those mindset muscles so that we can move the mountains we were meant to freaking move. Let's go. Hello, my friend. Welcome to another episode of The Kind Mind Project. If we have not met personally before, my name is Emily. I am so, so happy that you're here. Welcome to episode number 49. It's wild to me that we are creeping up on 50 episodes of this little project we've been working on together. So I'm so thankful that you're here. Um, If you are new, please slide over to Instagram and and let me know that you, you gave this a listen today um, because I want to get to know you personally and what you're working on in your kind mind journey. I want to hear about it. So without further ado, this is episode number 49. I have been reading uh, a lot this year. I have been cranking out the personal development books this year. I created a 2021 personal growth book list that I've shared with you over on my email list um, that can be found over in my Instagram bio at Emily Helderman. You just throw in your email. You'll be added to the email list. You'll receive the 2021 book list that I've created for us. And right now I am reading Atomic Habits. Um, It has been recommended to me by so many people. And I finally was just like, yep, this is the one that needs to be next. This is the one I need to read next. And I know that someone like you who decided to press play on a podcast like this you are someone that has tried to change a habit of theirs at least once, at least once, and I have too. And I want us to kind of kick off today thinking back to that experience, thinking back to that experience and what made it successful, what made that habit change successful, but also in previous experiences of habit change, what got in the way What made it extra difficult to see the change that you wanted to see or to change the habit that you wanted to change? Really take some time to think on that because that's going to be what propels us forward. That's going to be what helps us be more successful in the future, right? When it comes to habit change itself. But one of the things that I think this book does an incredible job of is right from the get-go, it really breaks down the science behind habit change. So we're going to dive into that a little bit together today. And there's this habit loop that we go through. Um, If you're also reading this book, this is not going to be new to you, but we're going to kind of parse it apart together. Okay. So a habit is built by the following four steps. We have the cue, the craving, the response, and the reward. So first of all, the cue. This is the trigger that predicts a reward. A reward being something as basic as food, water, connection, or more deeply as money, power, love, all of these things. We have some indication that a reward is possible. 
And that's our cue that triggers this whole process. Then we move on to our craving. This piece is the motivation behind all habits. This gives us a reason to act. That craving itself gives us a reason to act. Because you crave the result, not the habit itself. Think back to when you told yourself that you needed to create a habit. Maybe for you that was fitness. I don't know about you, but I was not craving the blood, sweat, and tears of fitness. I was not craving the healthy foods that that I had to partake in to get that result, right? I wasn't craving that part. I was craving the result itself. So this craving is the motivational force behind all habits that we create. It's the reason that we act. And that leads us to the response. This is the actual habit that we perform. So again, if we use the example of fitness, this is the working out. This is the dieting of some extent, the the healthy eating of some extent. That's the actual habit that we create. Maybe for you, you are trying to create a financial habit. And that financial habit itself is the saving of the money or the investing of the money in certain places, right? The actual habit that is performed, that's our response. And this last piece, I love the way that they word this in in Atomic Habits, so get your hands on that book. I cannot rave about it enough. This last piece is the reward, right? And he says that the cue is about noticing the reward, the craving is about wanting the reward, the response is about obtaining the reward. And we chase rewards because they serve two purposes. One, they satisfy us. And two, they teach us. And what he means by satisfy us is pretty self-explanatory, right? We get to the reward of this habit loop and we are in some ways satisfied. Makes sense. But when he says that it teaches us something, it teaches us that that reward is predictable by the actions that we have performed. Think about when a baby is born and learns that if I cry, I'm fed. If I cry, I'm changed. And that's the reward for them. That's the, the need that is responded to, right? This is the same way. I learn through the cue, craving, response, reward process that that reward is predictable if the response, aka the habit that you perform, is performed. And this occurs on a loop. They call it the habit loop. And it happens in two phases. First of all, we have the problem phase, which is the cue, aka the trigger that predicts a reward, and the craving, that motivational force behind it. That's our problem phase. And then the solution phase being the response or the habit that's performed and the reward, aka the outcome, the satisfaction or the teaching that occurs at the end. Right, So we have these two phases, and when we think about it on the most basic level, the most basic habits that we perform daily without even thinking about it, here's the example that came to mind for me, okay? I wake up in the morning. It's my cue. I wake up in the morning, I'm tired, I have barely opened my eyes, and my craving 
is to want to feel alert. I want to feel awake. I just woke up. I have to get to work. I want to feel alert so I can take on the day. That's my craving, the want to feel alert. The response, aka the habit that's performed, is I drink a cup of coffee in the morning. I drink my cup of coffee in the morning. That's my habit that's performed. And the reward is that I satisfy my craving of being alert, right? It wakes me up. And I learned that drinking coffee is now associated with waking up, aka my reward is now attached to the cue itself. So when I wake up, I drink coffee. And those middle pieces, we don't necessarily cognitively think about on a day-to-day basis, right? When I wake up in the morning, I don't sit there and I say, I want to feel alert. I'm craving alertness right now. No, like, No, we don't do that, but we associate waking up with drinking coffee. And that is is also what happens in those more difficult habits that we create. For most people, if they are craving something like physical fitness, they begin to associate my cue of being stressed or not physically feeling well or sluggish to the reward of those endorphins after a workout, right? Those two things begin to be associated together. But I think one of my favorite things about this book thus far is that it really breaks down how we can use this. And I want to be able to do that for you today as well. So how does behavior change work in regards to our habits, aka how can we build a good habit and how can we change a quote unquote bad one? right? And he breaks this down in such a beautiful and and simple way that I think is really useful. He says, in order for this to be successful, we need our cue, aka our trigger that predicts a reward. We need our cue to be obvious, point blank obvious. When we think about this coffee example, our most basic habit, right? One of our most basic habits, when I wake up in the morning, that's a pretty obvious cue. My eyes are awake. I am now awake, right? Pretty obvious. We need our craving, aka the motivational force behind our habit, the reason that we act. We need that to be really attractive, really attractive, When we think about our coffee example, I don't know about you, but when I'm tired as heck in the morning, it's really attractive to me to want to be awake and alert, to feel well in the morning, right? Super attractive. We need our response, aka the habit itself, the action itself that we perform, we need that to be really easy, really easy. I don't know about you, but it's one of the easiest things in the world to drink a cup of coffee. It does not take much thought or resistance or or anything in between. I, I'm down. I'm game in the morning to easily drink a cup of coffee, right? So we need that habit itself to be easy, aka we need all of those barriers to get out of the way so that this habit is easy to perform. And then that last piece, the reward what we are satisfied by or, or what this habit teaches us, we need that to be satisfying, extremely satisfying. We need that end result to be worth it 
for lack of a better way of saying it, we need that reward to be worth it, to be satisfying at the end. So I want you to think about this for a second. When you've tried to create quote unquote good habits in the past, what has gotten in the way? And really think about it in regards to these steps, right? Was it that your cue was not obvious? Was it ambiguous in some way? Was it not obvious when this habit was to be triggered? Maybe the craving itself wasn't attractive enough, wasn't motivating enough. Maybe the habit that you were trying to create was not easily performed. It wasn't in an environment or in circumstances that was easy for you to apply. Maybe that's what got in the way. Or maybe really, for you, it was that that reward wasn't satisfying. That reward wasn't satisfying and therefore didn't create that loop that we're trying to create. Because if that end piece is satisfying enough, it's going to lead us to another cue. Going to lead us to another trigger, hopefully an obvious one. So what was it for you? The last time you tried to create a good habit, really try to get specific with it. Really try to get specific. What got in the way? And maybe one of those four steps needs to be shifted. Because when we break it down like this, I, I hopefully for you, you see it this way as well. I see it as a more strategic way of looking at habit change. Because before, I was like, you know what? This just isn't, it isn't working. I just must not want it enough. And maybe that was true. But also maybe one of these four steps easily could have been shifted to make that more successful for me. Maybe for you, it's been a little bit different. And for you, it's been most difficult to break a bad habit, to tackle habit change in that way, a habit that's already ingrained in you that you're trying to change. First of all, girlfriend, I relate, okay? I relate. All right, it's it's hard to break a bad habit, one that you have been doing for so long that you don't even consciously think about anymore, right? But he also breaks it down for things like this too that I think are gonna be helpful for us. So in order to break a bad habit or one that is undesirable for you, we need that cue, that first step, that trigger, we need it to be invisible. So you're going to notice that this is going to be the opposite of creating a good habit. We need this cue to be invisible, undetectable to us, invisible. We need this craving to be really unattractive. It better not motivate us to act. We need it to be really unattractive. We need that response, aka the habit itself, to be really freaking hard, really difficult. A lot of barriers. We want to put in as many barriers as we can. It sounds silly, but that's true. We want it to be difficult. An act that's difficult to perform is going to be a habit that's able to be broken. And we want that reward, that end result, to be not at all satisfying. Not at all satisfying. It better not satisfy us, and it better not teach us that that reward is going to lead to a future cue. So hopefully that breakdown for you is helpful and I am going to be making some some graphics to share with you over on Instagram to kind of make this more 
user-friendly and, and visual for you. But when I really sit down to think about this, and admittedly, when I first read this chapter of this book, I was like, man, I no wonder I've been getting it wrong this whole time. No wonder my efforts for habit change have not been as successful as I want them to be. Because I was skipping the steps in this habit loop that are otherwise subconscious to me. I was not only unaware of the fundamentals of habit change and how we cognitively go through that process, but I, I was also focusing on the wrong pieces. I was focusing on that reward not happening as quickly as I would want it to, rather than the barriers of the habit itself, performing the habit itself, rather than the level of realism almost in in the craving that I was experiencing and the logic between those two. I wasn't I wasn't looking at that. I was looking at the reward itself and the reward not happening as quickly as I wanted it. So when I sit down to think about something like this, I I really love the way that this book and this author he um really focuses on the systems that are in place rather than the result. That result is obviously going to be my motivating force, uh, my reward at the end, but I need to focus on the systems. I need to focus on the things that are, are going to get me to that reward rather than just the reward itself. I look at something like fitness and I'm like, man, I, I was doing that all wrong. I was focusing on the differences I was hoping to see in a progress picture or the differences I was hoping to see on a scale or a measuring tape rather than the systems that I put in place to propel me towards that reward, towards that result. And maybe you feel the same way too. You get so focused on the end game that you forget that your focus should actually be on the ways in which you're going to get to that end game. So if you're on my email list, you're going to be getting an email from me here in the next couple of days because I want to really put this on paper for you. I want to get this a little bit more interactive for you and uh, send you a little freebie from me to put down on paper one good habit that I'm trying to instill in my life and one bad habit that I'm trying to break and how we can go through these steps and really piece apart this, this habit loop to be more successful for us? How often do we actually take time to piece apart our habits like this, right? But if we did, I imagine that habit loop would be a heck of a lot more successful. So if you're not already on my email list, go jump over to Instagram, put your email in there, and I will get this freebie off to you. But I hope that today you've started to think about the ways in which you have probably kicked yourself in the pants for not being as successful with your habit changes you would have wanted to, and also some ways that you can start to alter that process for you. What do you need to focus on differently? Where do you need to shift your focus to? I know for me, I really need to focus more on the systems that are in place rather than the end game. I need to focus more on making that craving attractive and that response easy rather than focusing just on that satisfying reward. 
So hopefully this was helpful for you. Like I said, you'll be getting a freebie from me in your inbox. Um, but but that is today. That's episode 49. I'm glad that you were here with me and I can't wait to hear what you thought of today's episode. I love you so much and I will talk to you soon. Be kind, babe. Dude, thank you so much for including the kind mind and this weirdo in your journey. If you vibed with this episode, I would love to connect with you on social media. Go take your takeaways to your Instagram story and tag me so I can thank you for spreading a message that is near and dear to my heart. Thank you for letting me sit in the passenger seat of your personal growth journey. I want to hear about the mountains that you are moving, but... Until next time, stay kind to that mind, girlfriend. I'll talk to you soon.